splash, blub, 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 blub. That's the sound of the ocean, and you're going deep down in it like Nemo, the Mariner, and the fish. Hey, welcome to the The Adventure Zone Zone, America's favorite talk show about the show done by the people who do the show. And a captain? And he, what's that? Captain Nemo? I mean, is he... I thought that was yeah, the Mariner, I said. The Mariner. So I did definitely reference The Mariner him. and also and the fish. And also, really well, when start. you said the Mariner, I thought you meant Nemo the Submariner. Okay. The, that was okay. Namor. 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 Okay. See, what about the boy? See. There was the sleepy boy. Well, little right? Nemo, the sleepy boy. Oh, in Slumberland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, sure. a different one. I was thinking of a different sleepy Nemo what boy. What about Captain EO, the defunct 3D film starring <sighs> Michael Jackson at Epcot? More um, like the funky. What a. What about that? Yeah, you want to so be starting is, something? This is a show where we talk about your questions about this season of the Adventure Zone, which is Ether Sea, which we've been doing for uh God, when did we start in it's we've honestly, been doing it forever. I don't think it's a, no, I don't think it's actually been as long as we think it is, just because we've been going weekly now for a while and so we've really been I don't know, it, it feels like we've been really moving at a at a at a clip through mm. this season. I was surprised to see that we are at just about as many episodes as like Amnesty had. Yeah, and Amnesty graduation and Graduation. Had. I think we're tight. I, um, I want to say six months. I think. Yeah, that feels about that feels about right. Um, yeah, so we have a ton of questions here that people sent in, and we're gonna answer them, and we're gonna talk to you about the Max Fun Drive, and we're actually gonna do that last thing right now. Here it is. Let me give you the quick rundown, and then we'll get to the questions. Okay, you ready? Yes. Here's how how it works. Once a year, we ask you to consider supporting our show and any other shows on the network that you might enjoy by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. There, you will choose a support level that works for you. It starts as low as $5 a month uh, and goes up to other levels, whichever one you want to do. And at each level, you will receive a new reward for becoming uh, a supporter. Uh, But... I tell you, here's the secret thing, folks. The best one's right there at $5 a month, because for just $5 a month, you get access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of bonus content from each show on the network, including stuff from past Max Fun Drives that you won't hear anywhere else. There's video stuff, there's audio stuff, it's great. Um, And so that starts at just $5. There's a bunch of other ones that we'll tell you about. But right now, if you love our shows and you want to support them, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Do it while you're thinking about it. Don't wait. It only lasts for two weeks. Do the thing. Do the thing. Come on. Please. 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 Uh, okay, let's 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 kick things off. We got a question list here that was uh, compiled by our own Sarah Davis. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, and one of the many people who helps us out that we wouldn't be able to do without your Max Fund support. There you go. Yes, of course. I, I'm going to actually answer a couple of questions in here because we've, uh, you know, talked about her contributions uh, a, a lot this season. But I think there's still a lot of folks who don't realize Rachel Jacobs is responsible for all of the Foley work that has been going on this season and the, you know, post-production and editing. Literally all we're doing these days is recording us rolling virtual dice and making butt jokes. We're able to focus on the art is what Griffin means. Right, exactly. The art Uh, of butt jokes. Thank you. The art of fart. An enormous thanks to to Rachel. Uh, She only just started with us in December, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, she started like just as we were wrapping up graduation, which is one of the main reasons, and we'll talk about this more. uh, There's a question about it, but one of the main reasons we were able to go weekly it's yep. because Rachel Jacobs is here. Yes, yes. absolutely. Um, 
let's let's start with this one from uh, Ellen Weatherford, co-host of fellow Max Fun Show, Just the Zoo of Us. Uh, what did the research and creative process look like for incorporating marine biology into a fantasy setting? I want to give a, a big shout out to Dad um, because we I started talking about doing um, this undersea season last I want to say like spring or so. Um, and dad like went hardcore on it as he always does. I feel like whenever we start sort of workshopping things and started reading a bunch of books and I remember uh, when I, I, I told him I was doing graduation and he enrolled in community college and he made yeah. friends with five <laughs> other neat. kind of like very different people from different backgrounds, but they formed a study group and they became like yeah. best friends. But then eventually best they did forever. cut dad oh, out God, of it. Oh God, that wasn't the Chevy Chase was it? Oh. Of course you were. Um, I, I read a couple like sort of very dry and boring books about marine biology that didn't grab me. And then dad bought me a book called The Eternal Darkness, which is a fucking radical name for a book and one of my favorite GameCube era horror titles. But mm -hmm. this is uh, it's the, the Eternal Darkness, a personal history of deep sea exploration by Robert Ballard, who is oh, yeah. a deep sea marine biologist. One of my faves. Uh, Top 20 it, for me. Easy. Oh, really? It's, Easy. It's, just, <laughs> it's it's a fantastic read. It's a cool book about uh about I mean the invention of deep sea exploration, which is still like you know uh g generally speaking in its nascent form. Like there's still so much ocean to explore, and uh the like extreme risk that goes into you know putting yourself under the uh, immeasurable pressure of the ocean to take a picture of a fucked up fish that more than anything else I think inspired a lot of those sort of yeah things, you gotta be a you know? real fish pervert to go down and go to all those links that's what I've always said yeah because you get squished pretty pretty bad yeah um and so a lot of that like I don't know a lot of the the drier books I read inspired things like the the Cambria arc, which is, you know, a, a very fantastical interpretation of like the Cambrian explosion, which was a big, a big moment for Earth. Um, and yeah, I've had a lot of fun learning about the ocean and stuff in doing the season. Not that a lot of that has made it in sort of, you know, one for one scientifically, but yep. it's, it's, it's been very inspiring when it comes time to like figure out a, you know, uh, an encounter you're going to do or a mission that you can go on or just like an event that is taking place in this this world that we sort of whipped up. And Arthur C. Clarke uh, wrote a lot of uh, marine yes. books, a lot of exploration of, of the sea. Uh, the best, I think, was The Coast of Coral, where he and a guy named Mike Wilson went down to uh, Australia. And, and this was in the 50s. <laughs> I mean, where they were, you know... Practicing with the uh, aqua lungs and trying out all this new hey, underwater technology, uh, and so yeah, that was a big inspiration too because it, it, he, of course, Arthur C. Clarke's such an amazing writer, and and it was nonfiction. He also wrote a bunch of fiction stuff about marine biology. But we're not here to talk about him. We're here no, to talk about not. us. I turn to the work when I'm thinking about uh, marine works. I turn to the work of Dr. John Cena. Um, I think that his work in the Marine actually taught yeah. me the most. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Um, uh, there's a question here from Megan. Uh, did you have any particular inspiration for the characters in Ether Sea outside of what was shared in the world building episodes? And with that, I can also answer Tiger's question. Travis, why French specifically? The answer is Jacques Cousteau. 
uh, who f- for, that's it. It was just that. Not entirely that, but it was a, a combination of that, and I wanted him to feel uh, uh, like audibly isolated Fancy. and well, no different, right? I wanted him to sound uh, different from the uh, separated from everyone else. Um, yeah. because that is how he feels and he was separated and cloistered. And uh, so that was like part of it. But it also is just for a long time, this is not a joke. Whenever I, like when we were like on the Joko cruise or wherever looking at the ocean, I'd be like, ah, the sea, how deep and beautiful she is. And it's just what I think of when I think of like deep sea exploration. And that's when it first occurred to me. And so then, you know, we, uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, but for the last two years had a lot of extra time on our hands. Um, and so I started like doing, you know, French lesson apps on my, uh, you know, my various smart devices. And that is how it developed. Um, and dad, you've talked a lot about sort of, I mean, literally that Arthur C. Clarke book inspired a lot about Zooks, right? Yeah, because, uh, the coral reef and this was, like I said, you know, uh, keeping in mind that this, this was written like 70 years ago, they were just starting to worry about the coral reefs. Um, Luckily, we uh, fixed it. So yeah, yeah. yeah, everything's okay now. Not uh, oh, dad, great use of the not. That joke. was a really yeah, good. good it was so good, my dude. Well, I pride myself you on you know my my comedy shtick. Um, but another um, another big inspiration for the character for Zooks was Mr. Data. Right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank I you for putting wanted... some respect on his name. Uh, yeah, Mister. Putting Mister on there. He's a yeah. he's a person. Isn't he so, like a I, captain at this point? Uh, no, he's I, spoilers. Uh, he's dead. Oh wow, that's <laughs> pretty big spoiler. Death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and juice ambergris. Was it just the name was funny because it's like um, the name was derived from? It's funny that Richard Stink and ambergris have the same genesis. Parents? Like oh. I became interested in like fragrances for a little bit during the pandemic. And I just thought it was an interesting world, mainly through YouTube. I think fragrance YouTube is fascinating because it's people trying to communicate something that is impossible to communicate via the medium they have chosen, which I think yeah. is amazing. Um, and I think it's a fascinating world. And when I started reading about Ambroxan is a very popular synthetic sort of smell that is um, in a lot of fragrances. And the organic version of that is derived from something called ambergris. And depending on what you decide ambergris is, kind of <laughs> depends on how you want to sort of interpret it. They don't have the same holes as us. Yeah. So you could think of it as a lot of different things. Like it, it's not vomit. It's more like poop but only a small percentage of sperm whales make it. It's sperm whale leavens. It's sperm whale drippings. Yeah, yeah the, good, the, good, the good stuff. But it smells good. <laughs> bet it does. It's a nice and musky smell, but I just thought it was funny. I thought it was a funny pun. Um, because there's the oceans, and I knew we were doing an ocean one, so that's the name. Um, the character is just like, I wanted to do a type of woman that you see in Appalachia a lot. I'm really, I, the work I, uh, most of my characters, like with the exception of probably taco. Um, most of the other ones are informed by West Virginia and Appalachia in some way. 
Um, and so I wanted Amber Grease, just like the kind of woman you see at West Virginia, who's just like thin and wiry and indomitable. Like you could like, sh- this is the sort of woman that you see walking past CVS and you know that a truck could hit her and it would just split around her and she <laughs> right. continued to go pick up, you know, whatever her she scratchers. had to do that day. Her scratchers or whatever. Yeah. And like, I grew up around this kind of woman a lot in, in, in Appalachia. And, um, I, that, that was just kind of the vibe that I wanted to capture. Like, I think the working class is always like the most interesting part of a, of a fantasy world. So yeah, yeah. that's Amber Green. Oh, I, there was a third reason for the French too. So as I was then thinking about Devo, um, and I started like looking, uh, with those two things in mind, I started looking for like, uh, references for like, that's what I think, you know, he would be like the fuck, the dude, the boyfriend from West Wing, the like, the guy who dates, um, Zoe after Charlie, who's a real piece oh. of shit. Like a lot of like my, like what a very specific, I know. Role. Right. Isn't I it? watched West Wing twice in his entirety. I don't know who the fuck you're talking about, but he's, he's like this French dilettante, like, I don't know, Duke or something. And he's just a real piece of shit. And I was like, oh yeah, like that. <laughs> he's going to kind of be like that. Great. Perfect. Yes. Good. Uh, Maxwell asks, uh, how much did you anticipate the random encounters table would influence the adventure? The crit fail obviously changed the course of the arc, but are many of the elements on that table, like the gold ship with ancient runes designed to add to the story in such a fundamental way. Also, can you release what's on the table after the story ends? Cross fingers that Clint rolls a crit zero zero as redemption. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's changed the story a whole lot. Like, obviously, the the one, like, what I had, I, I forget exactly what I had in there for the one. Actually, let me pull it up. Basically, the one was like the Sallow returns to Founders Wake. Like, the Sallow becomes a big bad thing, and I envisioned that as being like a pretty big story arc. But I did not envision it as being like the third story arc. Um. Are they all pretty specific, or are they like they encounter no, they a weird are all, creature? They, most of them are like very broad. Uh, the gold ship one was interesting because that was, you know, you find wreckage from a, a, a ship that is, you know, laden with gold, and when you rolled that, like, I also have this like sort of vision board for Hominine in mind as being sort of like you know gilded and arcane and all this stuff uh the wisp and all that shit like that was just jazz baby and it's going on to be like sort of a a a huge thing for like the the big plot kind of moving forward like the idea of finding this like you know map to a lost city is like not something that i anticipated being I don't know, a thing when I included it in this chart. I just thought like, oh, and they'll get some like weird magic stuff and some gold out of this this salvage. Um, but then it just kind of ended up being a much, much bigger thing. Do you feel, uh, I've been wondering this, Ditto. Do you feel like that you put yourself to maybe an unreasonable challenge with the combination of us picking the jobs and the random encounter table like that how much you have to like just be 
on like on the ready, like basically the entire time we're recording. Or is no, because it... I it's it, it. I mean, it is a challenge, right? But it's also like what I think we're all trying to do this season, or at least I hope we're all trying trying to do. Which is, um, I saw this this really great. I've been watching like a lot of like storytelling seminars, uh, because it's uh, y- you know. It staves off the lonely times to just have people's voices in your ears. I'm sure the listeners at home know all about this. Um, but uh, uh, funnily enough, of all the ones that I have found to be like the most helpful is one from uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone talking about the structure of like any given South Park episode and the the way that and I am not you know I love that fucking twisted South Park so humor. Fuck, yeah, uh, dude, obviously so I am not like I'm not a huge like fan of their work I'm not like a big South Park guy why at all, are you dragging it what is your problem with the South Park twisted skewed view too twisted for uh, you it's a little too twisted for me yeah okay. um the way that they talk about storytelling is that between each beat in the story if you in if uh you have to use the words and then uh it's it's bad like it's that's not going to be a good story like and then this happens and then something else happens and then this happens but if you use therefore and but between each beat it and and therefore the story kind of evolves out of itself and they do use that is that is what makes a a a good story especially a good like sort of self-contained story which i think we try to do with each of our um each of our sort of campaign arcs and so i've really just kind of been trying to let that take the lead like i have a whiteboard with some like kind of ideas on it for like shit. Mm-hmm. So the other team that works for the blue span brokerage, like your guys' sort of rivals are, are doing some stuff that like I kind of uh, started to spin out of uh, the missions you all didn't take. Right. Uh, and so like, there's some stuff that's true about the world there. Uh, I know something about Hominine, like where it is, whether or not like that ever comes to fruition or not. Like, I don't know what the big story of this season is going to be. And that's kind of exciting to, to, to me. It's really just going to sort of land on what, what you all kind of want to do with the information that you are, uh, you know, receiving in real time. I think what, what you all are in right now, what we recorded sort of the first episode of, and then are going to continue recording, moving, moving on this sort of like sort of murder mystery uh thing is going to inform the next part of the season and it could be the the big story or whatever but i'm i'm also fine with it not you know having the, some big grand arc i'm also okay with like us reaching a point where we've done some cool stuff in the world and we walk away from it for a little while like i feel like more than anything we've done in the past ether is something that we could come back to with like a different team of characters in like a season two and like do different stuff like i feel that is my the thing i'm happiest about with this season is i feel like it is a a, a, a very cool world yeah with very cool rules i mean that's a benefit and, right of of uh avery alder's uh quiet year right of right, like yeah we built the world first right um and like you know i wanted it to be this story of just see these rough and tumble freelancers just taking on jobs. But like, I feel like you all are in entrenched in the world in a meaningful way. Like mm-hmm. you all are, uh, you all are making big moves and you are involved in sort of big things. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know how to get around that. There is a way to tell a story that is less sort of, uh, you know, grand heroism etc um but that's I, don't, I guess i just don't really know how to tell that kind of story um but yeah that that's 
that's it, when it comes to we have a lot of questions here about like what do you envision as being like the big story of the season and how much longer does the season have to go like i i swear to god i don't know uh and that's 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 pretty cool uh and you know a little bit a little bit scary but honestly doing it this way is kind of easier in some ways it's and messier uh i i have i harbor no illusions about that but um i'm i'm enjoying it doing it this way which is to say i think especially as far as dnd is concerned like the correct way <laughs> uh a lot more than i have in the past all right we've only gotten three questions done so let's pick up the pace a little bit uh okay. this is from richie for justin it's a box of chocolates. Uh, whenever there's a uh, whenever there's a flashback, do you have most of Ambergris' st- backstory already decided, or is it making it up along the way, kind of thing? <laughs> Are you sure you want the answer? <laughs> no, um, no. I love flashbacks. Are great because, especially, like I. In the exact moment, because I don't know what Griffin's going to come at me with. Like, I don't know what where it's going to open up. So when you hear a flashback, especially because it's picking up a random place uh, and the calculus of it has to end at the like, we know where the cal- like we know the terminus of it. You know what I mean? It's, it's usually not hugely uh impactful on where the narrative is at that point but you know like Amber Gray's not going to like lose a foot or something you know what i mean like we know we know yeah. at least that much um so when you hear a flashback it's just like pure invention and that's like really my characters start in the way that Ethercy has with like a very a pretty rough sketch and most of it is like discovery and just like what i think is interesting like uh, early on, I was using a lot of like slang uh, with ambergris, and I realized like it just didn't move the things along that well. Like it didn't communicate enough, and it just sort of like seemed self-serving because she wasn't encountering people who would use some of the same terminology. So I kind of like eased away from that. But it's just like that's discovery. That's like chipping away at the character to find out who she is, and like the the um, the backstories are great. There were flashbacks, are there are great times to do that. So I just kind of like, it's basically like free association. Like I imagine it and just sort of let it, if you believe in like uh, the way like people like Elizabeth Gilbert or David Lynch view creativity, where you're sort of like going down into the depths and seeing what you come up with, like, especially for me, flashbacks are just like fishing. I'm like trying to open it up and just see what sort of pops into my head. I love that that is, exactly the polar opposite of me where like the way I, I I like basically every time now oh I've created a character for one of Griffin's campaigns I have said like okay here's this is it and this is what happened and this is why and this is who and then Griffin's like okay great forget all of that and then if a moment comes up to apply it so be it and so it's just like I I've told him like if it ends up being this that would be great and then like occasionally it perfectly fits what we're going for so like that little door gets opened a little bit but, more but full trans full transparency most of the time it doesn't and i feel like that is that is a a, a point of contention that ha- that comes up a lot and it is like this season especially i have become completely disinterested in backstories genuinely don't 
genuinely do not care about them. Beside the impact that they have on the story that is happening in the episodes that we are all hearing right now. Yeah. Because I feel like it is a huge fault of of that that we have fallen prey to in in every past season, all of them, right? Uh, is is this like reliance on? Uh, oh well, oh man, if y'all could have been there, you would yeah. know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This person is like this. That's why uh, I'm trying to stay away from it. Like, even though my every fiber of my being wants to, because yeah. it is kind of inherently manipulative, right? Because it's yeah. just like. I don't have to roll for this. I don't have to like role play it. I don't have to like make a decision with anyone else. It's just me telling you how cool or sad or important yeah. my character is. And it's it, honestly like if if we did do another season in Ethersea or like another whatever you want to call it with like different characters, I would go even harder on insisting that there are no backstories whatsoever. Like, be, be, not whatsoever, but beyond, like, you know, I have a character who has this kind of personality and this is where they got their, you know, the skills that they that they have. Uh, like, that's about, that's about it. Uh, because it's, I, I don't know, it's becoming, it is inherently not collaborative yeah. to say, like, well, you see, so-and-so has, what? Do you disagree? Well, just a little, because I think knowing a backstory for your character uh, informs that character, creates that character, and allows you to live in that character. Whether or not that information ever comes to the fore, I think that the, the backstory, it's like doing a, a character analysis in a play or something. I mean, you to know how your character is going to decide or know how your character is going to react to something, sure. I think you have to have... Some backstory. Okay, we're g really getting in the weeds, but I do want to say, I think, though, I, while I fundamentally agree with you, I don't go in for much, like, scene study type stuff, but I do, I do, uh, from an acting perspective, I understand that. What I think is interesting about this specific form of storytelling is that, to me, w normally when you're doing character study like that, you're starting with a text and then you're bringing, as an actor, yeah. you're bringing the stuff to it, right? I feel like what we're doing is functioning in the immediate, and then that's the text. Like, we're making the text as we go, right? So it is, we're writing the text, and then we're also doing the work of figuring out the backstory. But we're doing it afterwards. Like, c coming up with a backstory without a text is kind of impossible, because you don't know what the text is yet, Right. I bet that um, there are TV actors who like do episodic television. Listening to this, like you dumb shits, you do it like this. Um, okay. But that's also like what we're talking about is just like different approaches. That's which absolutely I think is true. Really interesting. Like it's, yeah. I, I think it's, I just can't do that. Like I can't. Speaking work of that different way. approaches, did you know there's many different ways that you can become a Max Fun supporter? Yes. Bullshit. Oh, yeah. No. You fucking chill. Oh, let's okay. come on. Let's get Dad on the ones and twos because this. Okay. Is oh, he's he the excels. master of this. Let him go. Let him go. Uh, Wind him up. Well, that's very nice of you, Justin. Uh, well, I think Travis has already covered the $5 tier. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the 350 uh, hours of bonus content. Uh, at the $10 tier, you get a you get all that stuff, plus a letterpress MaxFund membership card. Ooh. One of 35 embroidered patches They're designed cool. by- They should have made more. We're fucked. Moret Bonadieu. Merit Press. Yeah. yeah. Uh, $20. All that that we just mentioned. 
plus your choice of either the Max Fun Creativity Pack. Uh, that includes an inspiration deck with 54 cards illustrated by Ellen Vandermeide, featuring activity suggestions from Max Fun hosts and staff, three postcards, a piece of non-hardening, colorful modeling clay, and a custom black wing pencil or an embroidered rocket hat. And the $35 tier, well, everything above, plus a MaxFun messenger bag. It's wow. a cotton canvas bag with the MaxFun rocket logo embroidered on the front. And as we mentioned earlier, between Sarah Davis, uh, Rachel Jacobs, and, and many other people behind the scenes that you don't always hear on the microphones, we could not make these shows uh, without them at that point, and we wouldn't have them without your support. Not to mention, way, way back when, we were able to make making these shows our full-time job so that they became the priority, so that we would miss less episodes, so we would be able to tour more. So, like, with Taz, we would able to be able to go weekly. All of these things... Yeah. Uh, more than it, more than any other year, yeah. I feel like the proof is in the pudding in that we are able to go weekly because we hired someone who is incredibly talented to to handle post production. Like that's yeah. that's like if that's you want to know connection. exactly how it works, and that happened because you all came out to support us last year. Uh, in a year where you know we weren't touring and we you know. <laughs> but, needed needed help but uh, let's 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 like let's not i mean let's not uh uh sugarcoat it last year we didn't hit our goal and you all failed us for well. the first time ever <laughs> you let us down and well are you gonna make that like i'm willing to forgive and forget yeah i can be the bigger justin you know what i mean yeah. but like not you know fool me once etc you know i yeah, really sure. need you all to prove to me that that was a fluke and you can do <laughs> that you can do that by either becoming a new member by upgrading your membership you can boost your membership or you can buy a gift membership for a friend or an anonymous max funster who wants to join but isn't able to Right, and you can do all three of those at maximumfun.org/join. You can see all the stuff there. Maximumfun.org/join. Think about joining now. If you want to, do it now while you're thinking about it. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. There's not a lot of time left. Go now. Maximumfun.org/join. Uh, let's see. I got one. Yeah, please. Could I do one? Uh, and and this is very important to me. It's from John, and I'm bringing this up. Because I took a lot of shit from my co-stars about co-stars. this. And I'm okay. telling you, my underlings, I took a lot of shit from you underlings Thank you, Dad. about this. Uh, I really enjoy Taz. I want to send a question regarding table environment, house rules. Uh, are there major moments do players try to ask about the outcomes? I'll frame this through episode 3435 of Ether C. Clint has Zooks activate the self-destruct on the dreams of Deborah during episode 34, but at the onset of 35, we hear Clint express a desire to undo this, for lack of a better term. We know that in Taz history, events that the players do not feel are right can be modified to fit the overall story, Ooh. but that did not seem to be necessary here. This I is so weird. I'm this. watching Dad type this into the document as we're doing it. This is yeah. so <laughs> weird. No, Dad is not. Listen, this is honest to God, the truth. I was trying to be a good player by using the ship worksheet for combat. Yeah. Yeah. About the ships. And so there is a self-destruct. Uh-huh. So my intention was to try to overbluff the bluff. 
And you did. Because I would say spectacular. Yeah, right? Yeah, he bluffed the fuck out of it. Because it says. bluffed it up. bluffed it up, man. Bluffed it to Davy Jones's locker. At the start of the user's next turn, the ship explodes, but can be canceled as an action with a DC-15 repair check. And with my hand up, my intention was to start the countdown of the self-destruct, hoping they would back off. Yeah. And then to cancel it. And that is the truth. The way it worked out, I was very happy about it. Yeah. But that really and truly was my 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 plan. I uh, I understand I didn't that. Think it, you it, did I didn't think it would wreak the havoc that it did. You did which leave Travis. You did leave the ship. Yes, I correct. said jumped into the moon pool. And then you were going again? to like are stretch Armstrong. We are doing way. it feels like we're doing this. Again. Okay. Here's the real thing though. You guys about the, the table <laughs> environment. And the short answer is like we like there's the story i like to think of the show that we make more of like the writer's room right of like it's it's more than just like recording a show to me right we're telling the story but then we're also it's like real to me damn it's it. real but the four people are also like me justin griffin dad are also like our own characters in making the show it's one of the ways like the graphic novel for example is different from the podcast right and so there are character choices that the characters make that's like, yeah, I love that. That's great. And then there are also like us doing it where it's like, wow, okay, that's wild. Let's do it. Sure. Right. Where we are commenting and like maybe giving each other a hard time from time to time. But that doesn't mean we don't think it's a good story decision. Yeah. It's just right. like a big, bold swing that's like must be commented on. And in terms of like table rules, like is very very freeform, very rule of cool. Like I, I, I have, I, I say that. I think that also this season there have been more moments of me not, uh, allowing sort of, uh, uh allowing you all to tap into godlike superpowers because I think that, um, I think that danger is something that has never really existed in the adventure zone. Uh, it really, it, and I really want to be careful that we don't just like keep answering the same questions every teacher has. Z -Z -Z. But like, it makes it makes things more cool when there's a chance they won't happen. Yes, and this season, like we have we have not fudged roles really. And bad roles. We've bad. had such bad. It, yeah, roles. obviously, like there have been really bad roles, and some really bad shit has happened to the team. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I hope we've been more consistent uh, about that because I really want there to be. Lots of cases where things don't go the way that you guys want them to go. Yep. Um, so, uh, let's see. Griffin, have the boys ever thrown such a curveball into your story that you have had to pause the recording to figure out what to do next? Uh, I mean, yes, we've talked about this a lot with past seasons. In terms of Ethersty, um, uh, I had some sort of like general routing ideas for this last mission, right? The Menagerie mission uh, that when Dad blew up the station were completely <laughs> thrown out the window like uh and but that wasn't so much pause the recording moment that was a go back to what i had prepared for this mission uh after the episode because that was sort of the end of the, the that episode and then just like trying to figure out where things kind of go from there um but yeah i mean that that's sort of been more or less it when dad rolled the one it was like how do i introduce this complication in a way that doesn't completely like derail the mission that they were going on. And so that was kind of the delayed time bomb of, you know, scraping on the bottom of the thing and then bringing the, the virus or whatever 
um, back to back to the city. Um, I so want to ask a question from KD because I've also wondered this from its inception. The biggest baby, does it sit on the surface of the sea or does it sit below this? Is it a submarine griffin or is it like? The surface of the sea is sort of occupied by a, like an extremely thick, dense, uh, like uh, field of debris that I imagine is like sort of gnashing, like unnavigable. Okay. Like people don't, people don't go to the surface because it's like you can't, you cannot get there without your ship getting like crunched, crunched up. So no, the biggest baby is, is uh, I, you know, I imagine floats offshore or, or not offshore, but like uh, you know, in the in the distance. I think visible from Founder's Wake. But is it you say floats? Okay, that didn't answer it. Is it in the water? Is it underwater? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You said floats. Just answer that. Things Everything float, float underwater. underwater. Why? Why are you being semantic? About I'm, I know. I was honestly confused, and if I'm confused, there's at least one other person out there who's confused. <laughs> Does okay, it look like surface... a submarine? Because I've always pictured it like a battleship that was underwater. Um, I mean, it's it's it. It doesn't prob- look like anything because this is a podcast. Okay. No, it it is. Uh, I don't know. I think of it as sort of boxy and monolithic and like not not aerodynamic because that's not its thing it's like a it's yeah. like a big gun yeah that like if its power is incredible and you know i like the idea of this being there being this like uh narrative justification for why founders wake isn't just like under attack all the time yeah i feel like would be stymieing um but but yeah it's 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 a, it's like a submarine it's underwater uh, Matthew asks, I was wondering how the party feels broadly about role-playing their characters this season and the classes each character is. We've said, we talked about role-playing their characters yeah. this season. I want to know about the classes. Just, I want to hear what you guys all think about your classes. I will say this. Um, I I think I chose a very specific kind of bard that is like a focus on like control and like psychic stuff. Um, and it's it's definitely a different caster experience than playing like a wizard or you know somebody with a broad range of like either attack or healing or whatever, right? Like I basically built him specifically to be good at one kind of one kind of magic, right? Um, and it has forced me a little bit to try to think more, and I think it works for the character too, but to think more in like growing in his ability to actually use words to persuade. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy playing a bard, man. It's it's fun. To have somebody who's really good at like one thing, right? Uh, I think I overdid it with the monk. This is my second time playing a monk, um, and I just don't. I don't. I think that okay. The I think the monk is a little weird for us. One, it's like weirdly cultural in a way that I don't love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, sure, monk has a lot of like religious and and socio logical baggage that I don't love. Um, And I think it's a little bit like, I I feel like the tactical advantages of the monk would be more obvious in a game that was played a little like less loose than ours. Um, I think that, uh, so I'm not like down. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to the adventure zone experience of playing a monk versus like the overall experience, because I know that there's like lots of, of benefits. It's also less flashy, which is uh, than like the wizard of the druid. So 
that's tricky too because it's like when you're doing a show for entertainment you don't just want like okay it's fun in Dungeons and Dragons when you're playing with friends it can be fun to do an encounter because at that point you're playing a game yeah and you can turn off the sort of like character part of your brain and just like think about tactics and strategy and all that stuff and with what we do like it kind of there's sort of the impetus to still make it fun like we can't just say like well it's not going to be entertaining to listen to for a little bit because we have to do a fight i punch again yes i punch again and i and i feel self-conscious about that a lot with amber gray like you can tell in my voice when i'm like I don't, I punch. I mean, I punch again. Like, and, and, and it's not saying yeah, there's none other things I could do. It's just like. I used to feel that same way with Magnus, man, where it's just like, I swing the sword a sixth time. Like, yeah, I get it. Um, you guys, but you all also have access to, uh, and you know, it's funny. We just did a live show like two days ago. And that is where y'all's like lateral thinking skills like really shine. I know I give dad a hard time for it, but I feel like dad is the best at this where he's like, I wrap a chain around a chandelier on the ceiling. And then uh, and sometimes that gets a little bit too fantastical where it's like, and I wrap it around his head and he dies. Uh, But that's I mean, that is something that I feel like especially Amber is like fully equipped to do and also like another thing to keep in mind is you all are level five yeah Uh, that's true like you all are you all are not i think you guys are used to a certain level of like swiss army knifeness uh because of the the characters that you have played in past sort of uh D D campaigns but uh you know you'll 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 get there uh what about you i love i love playing a ranger i mean um i originally kind of envisioned Zooks would be the point man. Um, and, you know, then I realized he was also the, sort of the tank. Um, this is this is what I found interesting is the fact that um, the ranger aspect provided what I think is the defining the defining characteristic about Zooks. And that's the swarm. Yeah, because very early on, we decided all of Zooks's quote-unquote spells mm-hmm. would be swarm-based and trying to adapt that um, to the play has been fun. I, I I enjoyed that a lot. One of the first things I thought that Zooks would do, um, a lot of um, coral is uh, stings. And when I talk about coral, stinks? I don't mean necessarily the, the stinks. stings. It smells super, it does sting. super bad. Uh, it it stings and and so that's how a lot of the polyps and things in the coral protect themselves. And I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if he had a burning touch. Well, it, 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 that didn't function out very well. No, but I how would you having, high five? Come on, man. Yeah, that's true. Uh, with my non stinging hand. Um, so I've I've really liked having swarmed and and it's kind of limited some of the things that that. Uh, Zeus can do, but uh, it it's been fun. It, it, I really enjoy that aspect of it. I think that really defines him. I I will also say, without talking about specific character role play, but like just as a team, one of the things that I really like is that we all went into it. So like Zooks and Devo are very new to this world. Zooks literally and Devo through lack of exposure to anything, and Amber has kind of like is coming out of retirement. 
So we kind of established from the beginning, like one, they have not worked together, and two, they're all not great at it. And so that was kind of like early days, I kind of decided for Diva, like he's gonna fuck up a lot of like negotiations and interaction. He's gonna push too hard and he's gonna do this shit because he doesn't know how it works. The journey Devo is on is is interesting to me because as a as a, a as the DM for this season and therefore like trying to be in the headspace of like the characters that Devo talks to, Devo's kind of detestable. Oh yeah. Like he's kind of he is he is old school self-righteous heroism in a way that like has died in this in the, like that this world has no use for, right? I see that this world as being like fully pragmatic all the time. And shit is shit is really bad and there are compromises that have to be made and uh everybody is out here doing their best and Devo is this cloistered 20 something who thinks he knows the best way to do it who is who and is but gets like on, the and gets definition on of piss and vinegar yeah and gets on it's but it's not piss and vinegar it is like upstart like young upstart self-righteousness yeah when like the fact of the matter is like uh it's it's like uh it's not that black and white for most yeah. of the characters that he talks to um and so i don't know how much of that is like it's fascinating because now we get into this meta narrative thing of like that part of it, I think, is how we used to play D and D, right? Like mm-hmm. that feels very Magnus to me. This like we're on the side of justice and yes. right, but that's not like inherently true all all of the time. Absolutely, um, Amber 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 did it too, right? With uh, obviously, there's some like backstory beef there with her and Shret. Uh, but like that too was like a you're wrong you piece of shit uh in like a place where i don't know 100% that that's that is that is the truth um and so like i don't know it's 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 interesting because i think the characters have justifications for feeling that way but i also think a reason that that comes up so much is because it is sort of how our characters have talked and interacted and thought about the world in, in the past. Well, it's also uh, not to, I know we can't get off of points, but Devo is wrong. Like that's yeah. the thing is I, 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 there was a reason I made him young and like the cloistered thing. And the fact that he was born after they had come to founders wake that like he, he does not understand what his feelings mean. So like his anger uh, and righteousness make him feel right, right? Yeah. Like he's wrong. Like he is. He does not know how to think about other people's feelings. He does not know how to like process that. Just because he wants it and it feels right and all that stuff, that that is, you know what I mean? So like, right? It's something I'm really trying to play is that he is not by you know, my own now 38 year old standards, a good person. Yeah. That he's kind uh, of a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, Thomas asked what inspired the crescendo. That was sort of the, the uh, faction that uh, it, honestly it was, I, I had an idea for it to be like a bigger faction. And then you all kind of blew up the ship and then yeah. I realized like, eh, maybe it's more interesting if it just doesn't happen of just like, uh, you know, I like, I don't, I mean, I don't like, but sort of narratively speaking, like, just rich asshole cults. Yeah. Uh, you mean like Muffy like, and Winthrop? Yeah, like Muffy and Winthrop. But this one's even more like not even nihilistic. Well, I guess kind of nihilistic, where it's just like, I want to be the one to make polar bears go extinct. 
Uh, and then you all just like put the like only two characters that you ever really interacted with like completely in the toilet in that fight. And I, I was kind of okay with them just being like sort of pushover jokes because they're they're uh, you know they're probably not the most uh, pow- powerful of of characters living in this world. Um, Juice, you got one you want to answer? Uh, no, I like you guys asking me questions. Okay. It makes me feel like I'm your teacher, and I've you've come <laughs> to the foot of the master to learn. I want to say, sort of, this is uh, there's a, there's a couple questions about like asking us about the deciding to do uh, an underwater campaign and asking about uh, the different sort of source books. I just want to say one just came out called Spelljammer. That's apparently like a space themed D and D. 5e like expansion book set in the astral plane uh that sounds pretty sick sounds pretty cool i want to read that one and see if it's is cool it's called spell jammer and that alone is like a good name for a book <laughs> yeah it is a good name for a book um uh, let's see caitlin asks have you found that your contribution to the construction of this world gives you a deeper understanding of it and the answer is 1000 percent yes yeah. mm-hmm. like yeah. literally if you look at it i thought about this around like episode five where i realized like i i was the one who introduced based on like a card the uh the parish and so right. my character, I didn't make but you that. All did that. We've talked about that. Yeah, right. Did, you all did that shit. Right. That's what I'm saying. And then Dad, Coral Body came was up with his Coral idea. Robots. And the uh, Justin came up with Uncle sharks. Joshy's yep. Blink Sharks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's made things. Honestly, it's made things. Uh, it, it makes things so much easier for me, for from like a broader narrative perspective, because I have tried very hard to just focus all of the big story beats on that stuff. Like I had some, I had some things about the world uh, when we started doing Quiet Year, like about Hominine and all that jazz, uh, that I kind of had in mind. But I, so far, I have tried to just focus on things that you all sort of, uh, you you all kind of established about the world, um, and I want to I want to keep doing that. Uh, what does the ether sea taste like? KD asks. Probably not. Um, probably not. Great. We haven't. Nobody. Nobody. I. Nobody's tasted it, right? Hmm. Well, what does it taste like to you? No, there are characters who have tasted the ether sea. Okay. Imagine if you accidentally sprayed Axe body spray in your mouth. That's what I imagine. No, I think it has a good taste. You think so? You know, yeah, I think it has like a good taste. You know how salt water is like has salt and it's salty in it, and we've yeah. talked about this salt. You know, as like a magic um, reagent in this world, but Prestige. maybe instead it's sh- it tastes good and sugary. I mean, mm. listen, Devo sprays it into his mouth. Yeah, that's probably true. maybe it's like Banaka then. See, yeah. the, honest to that's God, like. Banaka is how I've always pictured the atomizer. That it is just not like one of those like spray. spray with a bulb on it. That's just I don't like think they make Banaka anymore. Really. Oh my God! Finish this the show. A, um, finish the show. No, I want to talk. Hey, Travis can't go on. Speaking of the show, it's this show, Max Fun Drive. It's going on now, oh folks. No way. Yeah, Max. Why haven't you said anything about this? I should have mentioned it sooner, Justin. You're absolutely correct. We got lots of different levels that you could choose to support or upgrade your sport to. This is going out the second week, and we're recording it day one of the first week. So I assume at this point we've blown past our goal. We're well on our way to triple digits. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. But we can only do that with your help. 
when you join, upgrade, or boost your membership, or buy a gift membership for a friend. What is boosting your membership, Travis? You threw that right in there in a minute. Well, I'll tell you. Maybe you've already reached a level. You're already a supporter. And you think, man, I'd love to give more, but the next level, that's a little too much for me. I can't afford to give that much. We totally understand that. You can boost by giving a little bit more every month. You won't uh, qualify for the next level gifts, but you will contribute to the goal. You will support the art and artists you love, and we will appreciate it. So there, there you go. Uh, you know what, Griffin? Yeah. What is Max Fun uh, supporters' support meant to you personally? It, it's it it's meant the world. Like I don't think the Adventure Zone is a, a difficult show to make, uh, and it always has been from a like pre-production, post-production standpoint. It's it's it is tough, right? It's not hard to get the well. I mean, as we have more kids in the world, kind of. Uh, Becomes more challenging. I would say it is getting harder to get the four of us together in a single call at the same time. Um, but it's, you know, it is much harder show to make than anything else that we do, right? And so if we weren't, if we didn't have a large audience of people coming out to directly support it uh, and had been doing so for, you know, a decade now, it, it we wouldn't be making it. And we certainly wouldn't be making it weekly. We certainly wouldn't be making it with like a big, team of uh of people that we've been able to hire like uh and all of that means that like i've i've gotten to spend my my working days on the most sort of satisfying and life-affirming sort of creative endeavor that i i've i've ever come across and so like it it is it means everything to me well there you go um, folks for just pennies a day you could support waifs like griffin to help us make this show uh, yeah, your support means the world to us, obviously, as Griffin has said. Um, and I think Justin, Dad, and I, I'll speak for us to say ditto to what Griffin said. What? The same. Oh. No, sorry, the same. Um, right. But uh, we, can, we can only do this with your support by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. Uh, I was thinking before we wrapped up, because we've covered most of the questions, is there any like last things you guys wanted to say about Ether-C? I, I actually had an idea for how uh -oh. we wrap up. Okay. Um I I want to know before we uh reach our conclusion here. What mm. about the either the world or the characters, even if it's not something that currently is sort of in the scope of the story we've been telling, uh even if it's not like a plot beat that we've introduced that, you know, we could return to in the future like I want to know what you all want to explore more in this world. Keeping in mind like all the shit that we established in the setup episodes and this the stuff that has kind of even just popped up on the periphery. Like what's interesting to you guys about the world and what do you wanna what do you want to know more about? I, Justin McElroy here, uh I would like a storyline that is similar to what that explores leisure. Um I feel like we have done a couple now that have explored like how the upper classes entertain themselves, right? We yeah. had like a sort of Zhizhi uh, cha-cha auction. And then we had the obviously like hunting animals for sport is like yeah. definitely like an upper crest. I would like something kind of like pedals to the metal where it's like, what are, what are the lower classes doing for recreation? I think that that's pretty, I think that that's um, kind of an interesting like, is there sports? Is there like, what are we, what are we doing in that, in that regard? Because people will have to pass the time somehow. Sure. Um, and I'd be interested in that. 
Um, I I think one of the things that we have not really touched on at all is like how uh this world of ether C and stuff has uh, affected like family structure and affected like education, like basically the like day to day life of people living there. Like, do we send kids to school for eight hours a day or is it like all hands on deck? We need to work. Is it like, yeah, we, you get married and yeah, if you don't want to have kids, that's fine. Or is it like, listen, we need to repopulate or is it the other way around of like, we only have so many resources. And so we have to be careful about stuff like that. Like what day to day mechanics, I mean, Justin touched on it with like recreation, but what are the like restrictions and limitations that have been imposed because of limited resources and stuff like that? Okay. Um, I th- I think I'd like to know more about what happened to the Einar, and I don't know how we can do that. But I mean, the fact that <laughs> a whole civilization a nation, was yeah. was wiped out, and and there. Ghosts still hung around. I, I, I still find that a very compelling question. I, I like the really big questions like that. And what caused the storm? What is does the ether taste like? Yeah, basic stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why is Zook so darn cool? That was one of the questions. I'd like Diva to meet some sexy singles if we could figure that out. Whoa, yes, romance. We've been short on that. This yeah, season. get Diva to meet some sexy singles in his area. I think that would be really cool. Um, and just have him smooch a bunch of people. Okay. More smooching, more smooching. More smooching. I want to smooch well, my brother. along those lines, let me, let me say this, along those lines, they do still make banaka. Thank you. Okay. Oh, good. Good. oh Thank God, you. what a relief. Thank you for what confirming. A, what a huge relief. Oh, my relief. God. And you know what else is a relief? You knowing that you're going to support us at MaximumFun.org. I think, Fun. Travis, actually, actually you've done enough transitions to the pledge breaks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, listen, we really, really ne- need your support. Um, after last year's abject failure, we got to come back from it. And I think this is the exact moment that you, insert your name here, should go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join and do the right thing. We make this show for you to delight you. We do it for free, but we don't. And we probably wouldn't now that I say it out loud because it's so hard. Uh, we really, really appreciate your support. And it means the world to us. And it it, it it allows us to make the stuff we make. If you like this stuff and you want there to be more of it, this is your moment. I've been waiting for you. Get on my back. I'm walking over to the website anyway. Uh, that where there's one set of footprints is where I carried you to the URL join For just $5 a month, you're going to get a, a honestly nauseating amount of bonus content. Boco in the parlance of the network. Um, the years of really honestly wild stuff. You want to hear us play Adventure Zone with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda? It's in there. Matt Mercer. I mean, there's, lot, there's lots of... Uh, uh, incredible, incredible stuff. I just, um, uh, by the way, did the quick math. Uh, if you hit play on the 350 hours, that's about 15 days straight of bonus oh content. God. Get Sickening. a poop sock ready. Yeah, man. Get ready. I wish that's how we ended the episode. I wish we had the guts. Get a poop sock ready. Audio sticker in the episode on that. We actually have no way to end these. We've never come up with one. Thanks, everybody, so much um, for supporting us and listening to Adventure Zone and Ether Sea. We'll be back with more episodes next week. 
Bye. 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 Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.